Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, we opened the series with a mock wedding. How many of you attended the wedding last Sunday? Yeah? Yeah. Some of you are like, what? Right here on this stage, we had a not real mock wedding, but we treated it as it was real. And it it was good. It was good. Um, um, I I would say that that it lasted, but today the groom is here. He's in the back back here, and um, his wife's not with him today. So, hey, hey. Um, But if you listen to the vows... Uh, we, we made it humorous. It was a lot of fun, but it touched on some serious issues that society has plagued about marriage. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting how that plays out. We laughed about it, but let's be honest. It's, it's pretty serious. And last week we read from Matthew chapter 22, and I brought your attention to the fact that one day every member of your household is going to stand before God and give an account for their life. Every member of your household, that is going to happen. I am going to stand before God. My wife is going to stand before God. My children individually are going to stand before God. And I told you, this scares me. It scares me because this is a burden that he has put on my life. I I, I don't want to run from it. I want to accept it. But, but, But I will tell you, the responsibility of that, it absolutely scares me because I want to make sure that I've done everything that I possibly can to get my family ready to meet God Almighty. We often tend to focus on the here and now when it comes to our families and our marriages. The here and now, it can leave you hopeless. The here and now, it will deceive you. It will cause you to be blinded to what your marriage can and will become if you allow God in the mix. So I asked you these questions last last week, and man, I'm telling you, they are very sobering, sobering questions. And here's what I asked you. First of all, have you invested in your children's eternity? Listen, I'm all about extracurricular activities. I I think kids that are involved with with sports and and extra things in life, I think they excel. God God uses those things to keep them out of trouble many times. And and my kids certainly are involved in extracurricular things, but, but we cannot let that become the focus. Eternity still has to be the focus. So I asked you, have you invested in your children's eternity? And then I ask you this really hard question. Have you invested in your spouse's eternity? Because it's hard to invest in your spouse's eternity when you're not seeing eye to eye. It's hard to invest in your spouse's eternity when you're not even sure if you want to spend eternity with them. You know what I mean, right? It's tough. It's tough. So I asked you, I said, stop focusing on the here and now and start focusing on the then and there because the then and there is approaching. The coming of Christ is approaching and we need to make sure that our families are prepared. We've got this responsibility to prepare our families for an encounter with God. There was a young couple, a young engaged couple that died together and they went to heaven before they could be married. And the disappointed groom took St. Peter aside and he asked him if it was possible for them to be married in heaven. And so St. Peter replied, he said, I'm afraid you'll just have to wait. Check back with me after five years, and, and then we can see if, if we can marry you or not. Five years passed, and, and the couple came back to see St. Peter, repeating their request, can we get married here in heaven? And St. Peter replied, sorry, you're going to have to wait another five years. So they waited another five years. And finally, after waiting a total of 10 years to be married, St. Peter finally told them, now you can be married. 
And the wedding was just beautiful. I mean, can you imagine streets of gold? I mean, this, this place was just elaborate. In the wedding, it was truly a, a, a wedding made in heaven, a match made in heaven. And at first, the couple, they seemed extremely happy. But later, they realized that they had made a mistake. And they thought to themselves, we don't need to be married. And so they went to see St. Peter once again, but this time to ask for a divorce. So St. Peter, man, he was just taken back by their request. And, and he said, what do you mean you want a divorce? It took us 10 years to finally get a pastor up here in heaven. Now you want a lawyer? <laughs> Let me look. There's one particular lawyer I'm looking for this morning. I'm trying to make sure he's not here. Yeah, okay, we're good. They say that marriages are made in heaven. That's what they say. But then again, so are thunder lightning, tornadoes, and hailstorms, right? All made and created in heaven. The truth is this, is that at times, marriages can be challenging. They can be. Because we're selfish by nature. That's just who we are. We are selfish by nature. We tend to look out for me, myself, and I. And so when you put two unique individuals into one marriage, there can be moments when they clash. This is what we want in marriage, but often this is what happens in marriage. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you've had that argument on the way to church, so you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and this year, Mandy and I, we will celebrate 20 years of holy matrimony. 20 years. Wow. And trust me, and you can ask her, there have been times when we have clashed throughout the years. There have been moments when we have butted heads I mean, Mandy prefers to vacation at the beach. I don't like sand in places sand should not be. I prefer the mountains. We have clashed on moments like that on where we will vacation. Mandy was raised on spaghetti sauce out of a jar. Nothing against my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful woman, wonderful woman. I was raised on homemade spaghetti sauce where you add all the ingredients and make it all right there. Mandy's family always opened all of their presents on Christmas Day. My family opened up their presents from each other on Christmas Eve, and then what Santa brought to us on Christmas morning. That's how we did it. How, anybody else do it like that? See, we were right. We were the right ones. And, and, and the truth is this, is that a lasting marriage, it happens through give and take. It is. I wanted to use the word compromise, but here's what I don't think has to happen. We don't have to compromise our marriages. We don't have to compromise our marriages. I know it's a completely different meaning, but I want to be careful with how we use that word. Marriage has to have give and take. That's what we need. So in our marriage, sometimes we go to the beach and sometimes we go to the mountains. Mandy learned to cook spaghetti like my mom cooked spaghetti. I now open all of our gifts on Christmas morning. You see, it's give and take, not just one person getting their way all the time. It's give and take, each one getting their way once in a while and the other one giving in and sometimes you get to take. And, and, and it's just this beautiful, beautiful thing, shared interest, this shared commonality. God's design for marriage is oneness. It's not two selfish individuals. I want to read to you really quick. It's going to be on the screen out of Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Listen to what it says at the beginning of humanity. Listen to how God did this. It said, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And man has been sleeping ever since. 
No, that's not what it says. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me, out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One flesh. Let me show you what this looks like. Two different people. Him, her. Let me check and make sure. Yes. We've got another service coming up. I want to make sure I didn't have two hymns up here together. It would not work. It would not work. Him, her. We're a very gracious church and all are welcome. We're going to teach God's word the right way. Him, her. All of his likes, dislikes, desires, interests, all of her likes, dislikes, desires, interests. And when you try and put these things together, it can be difficult. Because if you try and do this under your own ability, it will never, ever, ever stick. It just won't. It becomes two separate entities once again, her and him. So then we invite God in on it. How many of you had a church wedding? How many of you at least had a pastor officiate your wedding? How many of you at least had scripture or prayer at your wedding? How many of you have prayed since you got married? Okay, now we've got everybody. We've got everybody. And so here, here's what happens. You take two distinct individuals, her and him, and what you try and do is you ask God to bless it. And so God sends his anointing down upon your marriage. And according to what we just read out of Genesis, they shall become one flesh. No longer can you pull them apart. They're now one flesh. Mark chapter 10, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus is being approached by the Pharisees, teachers of the law, teachers of the Hebrew law. They know the Word of God. They know the Old Testament like the back of their hand. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to discredit Jesus as a rabbi. They don't like him going around teaching his doctrine. 
So in verse 10, we see this encounter. Mark chapter 10, verse 2 says, And Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. Don't miss what Jesus is saying. He said, Listen, Moses had to give you a way out because you forgot what love is. Your heart has become so hardened. And he said, so Moses had to give you some way to get out of this. Because of your hardness of heart, he allows you to write this certificate of divorce. Verse 6, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. I could stop right there and just preach for a while. I'm not going to, but just let Christ, let, let his words just sink deep into you. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Or the wife could leave her father and mother and hold fast to, his, to, to her husband. And, and the two shall become what? Say it. Don't miss this. One flesh. The two shall become one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. The Pharisees, teachers of the Hebrew law, trying to trick Jesus. It's hard for us to comprehend this encounter, and I'll tell you why. It's because in that day, women were not considered equals. Today, we have, you know, equal rights. And, and for the most part, there's e- equality that, that is spread throughout our nation. And I'm not saying that's wrong by any means, but in that particular day and time, it was not the case. They were treated like property. Women, wives were treated like property and, and the wives had no rights. And if the husband just simply became tired of his wife, he could simply present her with a certificate of divorce and he could leave her behind. So there was no more responsibility for him any longer. They had a way out because of their hardness of hearts. Moses gave them a way out. It's one of the greatest challenges of marriage today is the need to be two separate individuals. It's a challenge. It's not easy. It's not tough. It's not even natural. You can't do it under your own ability to come together and to become one flesh. It's impossible. It's something that takes the anointing of God upon your life. And when it does, it begins to tear away at the parts of you that will not coincide with the other person. When I counsel with engaged couples, I always talk with them about the importance of becoming one in their marriage. Because if they're not careful, they will remain separated and they will never truly become one. And church, don't you believe for one moment that the enemy will not find that weakness and try and infiltrate their marriage? The enemy is looking right now at your home. He is trying to find a way in. He's trying to find a weak spot in the wall, maybe where the wall has been breached. It's been, it, 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 it's, it's been broken down, and he's trying his best to find that weak spot to work into your home. He's at work right now, and every one of your homes trying his best to get in. He will look for that one area where you are already separated And it's in that one area where he will wreak havoc on your home. I'm going to talk about some of those areas just for a few moments here. And some of you are not going to like it. You're just not. Email me if you like to. 
You can. Jay Bryant at destinycommunitychurch.org. Just email me anything you want. Let me talk to you real quick about, about some of the areas where we remain separated. His bills, her bills, paid out of separate checking accounts, separated. I tell every, every, if you've ever gone through premarital counseling with me, I tell you, this is not the way to do it. It's hard for you to become one flesh. Mandy and I, we realized that from the beginning that it was not her money and it was not my money. It was our money. Now, listen, I pick on her all the time. I do. I do. There's jokes that go way back for years and years and years. And we, we joke all the time about who the breadwinner is and all that kind of stuff. But trust me, there was a time in our marriage when Mandy, she had good money and better benefits than I ever dreamed about. We have always looked at it as our money, our benefits. It didn't matter who earned it, and it didn't matter who the breadwinner was. But, but let me talk to you about this. Don't try and keep your debt separated. First of all, try your best to get out of debt. But I don't have time today to pull a Dave Ramsey, and so I'm just going to keep going, okay? If you do have debt, don't try and keep your debt separated. This is my debt. This is his debt. This is my debt. This is her debt. Don't try and do that. Before you say I do, know that you can accept the responsibility of their debt. This is something you need to know. And if you're already married, then take ownership of that because it belongs to the two of you. Well, I didn't run up those credit cards, Pastor, but you have no problem asking her to co-sign when your credit isn't good enough. Well, I didn't even know him when we were in college. Why should I pay his student loans? You certainly don't have a problem living off the paycheck that his degree earns him every week, right? Yeah, there's mistakes that are made sometimes before marriage. But one of the beauties of marriage is that God uses marriage to exemplify his grace to us. The number one cause of divorce is finances, money. It's the number one leading cause, has been for decades. Man, if we would just learn to extend grace into these situations, accept each other's debt, be wise once we get married. Either accept their debt as your debt or don't marry them. For those that have blended families, one of the areas where we remain separated is his kids and her kids. Listen, if you can't love them as your own, do everybody a favor and don't get married. Say no before. If you're already married, you're in it. Learn to love them. Treat them as your own. And, and if, if you are the parent of those children, allow them to parent those children. There's not two sets of rules in a household. It's God's principles that govern a home. Kids aren't baggage that are brought into a relationship. They're, they're made of flesh and blood, not leather and fabric. Let's treat them like they are God's gifts to us because God's word says that they are. It says that those children are a heritage from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Some of the most amazing people on this planet are the ones who have accepted their stepchildren as their own. Another area where, where we are separated, and the enemy will find this, is couples are often separated because they try and keep score. You bought a boat five years ago without asking me. There's one point for me. Yeah, well, you friended your old boyfriend on Facebook. There's one point for me. 
Well, you chose to go out with your friends instead of with me. There's another point for me. And we just keep tallying the score to see who will win. And the cycle, it never ends. It never ends. And you just keep trying to tally up the score in your favor. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 5 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, the slate is clean. You don't have your running tally and he has his running tally. That's not how it works. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And once you get past a problem area in your marriage, move on beyond it. Once you find some way to find healing, don't keep picking at the wound. Stop bringing it back up as ammunition against your spouse. When we were first married, Mandy was bad about doing this. She was. She'll admit to it. She was. She was bad about this. I had my own set of faults, trust me. But, but we would be in the middle of an argument, and she would simply just run out of ammunition. You know, you know it, I, I will be honest with you. It's hard to argue with me. It is. It is. It is. I'm good at it. I'm good at it. And Mandy would run out of ammunition, you know, and, and I would have her, you know, backed into a corner. And, and then she would go back and she would grab some old contention point from early on in our marriage. And she would bring that in, into the game. And, and I would just sit there sometimes and I'd look at her and I'd go, what are you doing? What are we arguing about? That's, you didn't even stay on topic and it would, it would cause it to get even bigger. I mean, it would, we would be arguing about how much time I did or did not spend with the kids. And just out of nowhere, she would say, well, you don't leave me little notes on my car like you used to. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? Yeah. Your marriage will never work if you keep a record of wrongs. It's not a game. And you don't need a scoreboard because if you are keeping a record of wrongs, if you're keeping score, neither of you are going to win. Both of you are going to lose. Our culture has created marriage to look like a contract. And I've shared this many times. I even share this during my premarital counseling. But, but we, we treat it as this contract. But marriage was never meant to be considered a contract. Marriage is a covenant between, actually it's between three Three beings, man, woman, and God is brought into that. A covenant, is, a, a covenant is based on a mutual commitment, but a contract is based on mutual distrust. That's why we write out contracts, because we, we don't trust that they're going to be good renters of the property. That's, that's why we write out contracts, it's to protect us. A contract is created to limit my responsibility and increase my rights, but a covenant increases my responsibility and forfeits my rights. Throughout God's word, he has used covenants with humanity to seal the deal. Go back through his word. Look at it. God is a God of covenants, and he always used covenants. Because his promises are permanent, not temporary. They are forever. They are not broken. If you go back and look at the Hebrew word for covenant used throughout the Old Testament, it is the Hebrew word berith. 
The word bereath, the root of this word means to actually cut in two. And I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, this has absolutely nothing to do with your sermon because you're telling us to become one. But listen to, to what this means, bereath, to be cut in two. During Old Testament times, for two parties to enter into a binding agreement, if you're buying his property or, or, or whatever it is, if you're going into a binding agreement, it, it required a blood sacrifice. There was going to be something to seal the deal, and they were literally slice a bull in half and both parties would walk through the blood in between the two halves of this bull and they would walk back and forth through it seven times. This, this, this meant, uh, it was a way of them saying, if I break my part of the deal, may what happened to this bull happen to me. You see, a covenant was serious business. It wasn't just ripping up a contract, leaving the keys to the car with the dealership and walking away from it. That wasn't what it, what, what it was about. It was serious business. And when a couple got married, the priest would take the groom's hand and he would cut it. He would cut his hand during the wedding ceremony. I don't know about you, but my wedding ceremony didn't go like that. Maybe I'll start it. I won't have to do as many weddings. <laughs> he would cut his hand. And then he would go over to the woman's hand and he would cut her hand. And his blood is dripping he would join their hands together so that their blood would mingle. So that his blood would get in her veins and her blood in his veins. And then, as the blood is dripping onto the floor, the priest would tie a cord around their hands. And this symbolized that they were now one flesh in the eyes of God. To answer their question about divorce... Jesus decides, as he always does, I'm going to raise the standard. You know that's what he did. He always raises the standard. Wherever there was law written, Christ was always willing to go above and beyond the law. Old Testament said, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed that adultery. He always raises the standard. And looking at these Pharisees, he once again raises the standard. Rather than value one's rights over the other one's, his rights over her rights, he takes them back to the beginning of humanity before rights. And he teaches them that two separate people become one in marriage. In verse 9 of Mark 10, he says, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. I'll be the first to admit that there were times in our marriage when our children kept us together. Some of you are in that boat right now. You would have left him a long time ago if you didn't have children with him. If you weren't worried about paying child support, you'd have checked out. Let me show you how serious this is. Because when him and her are joined together in marriage in a covenant, not a contract, it's not easy. to tear the two 
What's rough? Is that divorce is painful. Some of you are thinking about it right now and you're not thinking about the pain and the consequences of it. You will never be able to take these two pieces of paper combined, joined together with super glue. You'll never be able to create the two separate pieces of paper ever again. And we're just talking about paper and glue. We're not talking about the covenant of marriage when it comes to this. But when it comes to the covenant of marriage, never again will you have the original two. You'll never go back to being the person that you were before. It's not even possible anymore. Lives are torn apart. Dreams are crushed. Children are scarred. You're scarred. And Jesus gave us very specific instructions. He said, don't let anyone separate what God has put together. I want you to think about this. One year ago, this day, this Sunday, I stood on this stage with a broken heart, with a message that had no notes because God told me to throw my notes out and I had couples come forward and stand all the way across the front. And before we walked out of here, I believe it was the second service before we walked out, God brought my attention to, to that particular scripture. It said, don't let anyone separate what God has joined together. No one. Not a divorce attorney, not a judge. Not that pretty receptionist at work. Not that man that's showing you more attention than your husband is. Don't let anyone separate what God has joined together. But pastor, you don't get it. You, don't, you just don't understand because we're just not compatible. We're not meant. God didn't put us together to begin with. L let me ask you this question. Are you ready to go and tell your children that God didn't put mommy and daddy together to create them? Are you ready for that? That would be the hardest discussion for me as a parent, as a father. I would hate to tell my children, God made a mistake when he put me and your mom together. We just simply can't be married. Because that means they're now a mistake. Just because we say marriages are made in heaven, doesn't mean you won't walk through hell on earth. Sometimes they're tough. The commandment is strong. Don't let anyone separate what God has joined together. And so you don't even have the right to walk out of your marriage. You don't have the right to separate. There are only a couple of instances in Scripture where the Bible gives us the freedom to do it. And then it doesn't even suggest that you go and do it. It just gives you a way out. One is when adultery has been committed. You have a way out. It's hard to overcome those scars. We get it. Although I've seen some marriages put back together after moments of adultery, and they're some of the most beautiful moments of grace that I've ever seen. If your spouse is unbelieving, maybe you're a Christian and they're not, the Bible doesn't give you the right to walk, walk away from them. You married them. Maybe you were a Christian and just made a bad choice at the beginning. Or maybe you've become a Christian since then. 
The Bible says the only way you get out of that marriage is if your unbelieving spouse walks out on you, then you don't have to fight for your marriage. But it's not up to you. It's up to them to walk out. God's plan and design for marriage, the whole covenant is written between these pages but our society has allowed us to start breaking our covenants and treating them like contracts. When you get two people that are more concerned with the other rather than they are concerned with their own needs, wants, and desires, that's when you experience true love. I can tell you this, there are moments in our marriage when I absolutely did not want to do what I had to do, and the same with Mandy. I know there's moments when she did not want to do what I wanted to do. But it's give and it's take. It's Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Talking to husbands and wives. Just yesterday, my wife knew that it was a busy weekend and knew that I would be studying for today. She wanted to go over to Lake City to the Alusty Festival. To spend some time with her family. She would have understood. She knew. She probably expected me to stay at home, but I'll tell you what I did. I wanted to spend that day with my wife. I didn't care less about the Alusty Festival. I don't have to go. I like spending time with my mother-in-law, but I really don't care about spending any time with my father-in-law. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I went. I went. I even thought to myself, your sermon might, might suffer today if you go. Let me tell you what was more important to me than whether or not I got up and impressed you was just spending a little bit more time with her. What God has joined together, let no man or woman separate. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.